how should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. And welcome to today's episode of Stories from the Pack uh, with me, Richard Hobbs. Joining me on today's episode, we've got Liam Price, musician and frontman, frontman of the Wolfpack Howlers. Liam, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Rich. I'm very well, thanks, mate. Thanks well, for having me. Not a problem. I was going to say, sort of, before we kind of start and get kind of cracking to uh, Wolves, Wolverhampton, and everything in between, how are you sort of finding lockdown at the moment? Um, busy, um, really busy. Actually, I've had to. I say had to. I took a job with the West Midlands Ambulance Service. So being a full-time musician when when lockdown hit, uh, you kind of know that it's going to be the last thing to come back. Music events is all going to be the last thing to come back. And obviously outside the howlers, I play like a lot of weddings and stuff like that. So it was like, I need to get a job. So <laughs> um, NHS come up, West Midlands Ambulance. And um, I've been there now nearly a year. Unbelievable. I didn't think... I didn't think I'd be there that long, but it's been busy, mate. It's been really busy. Ah, so I was going to say, it's good to hear that, I guess, sort of the, the sort of a drop off on the, on the main stuff in terms of your music. Um, you know, obviously it's had to take a back seat, but it's still good to sort of hear you, uh, hear you being busy. But uh, we're here to sort of talk about Wolves um, as we are on sort of stories from the pack and kind of just delve a bit deeper into, I guess, sort of everyone's kind of love of the club, really. Um, I've known you, Liam, for a few years now. Um, know you've been sort of an avid Wolves fan, especially sort of in the last kind of few um, months. Well, I was going to say it's not even a few months since Wolfpack Howlers came about now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if we go kind of right back to the beginning, is I guess when you became a Wolves fan, um, was it sort of very much a... Um, I'm trying to think the right way of phrasing it. Very much from birth for yourselves. Uh, was it sort of a family one or? Yeah, it's family, mate. It's just Wolverhampton, born and bred, um, and and you know lived in the city my whole life. Um, I live Codsall now, which is probably the furthest I've ever actually lived away from Wolverhampton <laughs> Town Centre. But yeah, born my dad, my dad, whole family um, are, are wolves, uh, and it's the first thing I ever knew, mate. First thing I ever knew. My 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 earliest memory being five years old, and I can remember having wolves kits when I was, you know, five. I was going to say, was it one of those? Because I think I had mine sort of when I was sort of five or six. You got it almost at your birthday, yeah. and then wear that. Yeah, it was. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say yeah. the uh, the the always interesting thing for me about wolves is because it was sort of always colourful as well. But uh, do you remember what your first kind of kit was? Um, I'm guessing it would have been one of your early 90s ones. Yeah, it would have been probably 93. First first game was 93, 94. So that would have been that would have been my, my first kit. Um, one of the, I think it was, uh, the Wolves head was actually, the, there wasn't actually a sponsor. It was, yeah. Mo, it says Molyneux, I think, on the, uh, the kit. It was actually made in-house at the club. Yes. Yeah. So I think that was the first the first kit first kit I had. I think I've got a see if I've got a picture. Uh, say if you got a photo it'll be uh good to have on the uh yeah, show on the YouTube channel. I mean it's I I must say sort of I know Wolves are doing a bit of a retro um set at the moment. That one. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say for all of our audio listeners, I'll uh, I'll put a photo on social media. But that is a magnificent mustache on uh, on Toro, isn't it? As well, it's, it's I was gonna say the thing I love about a lot of those nineties kits is how I guess sort of how well they've aged. To be fair, um, yeah. I think that one's that one is a genuine classic as well. Um, I know sort of you mentioned when you sort of show that picture. Was that from, do you remember much of your first game or sort of? Yeah, I, I guess sort of your first few or anything. 
Yeah, yeah. So Barnsley at home, and and it was that one that program cover with Tomo. Um, unfortunately, about six years ago, and it's probably one of the biggest regrets of my life. I, I sold all my programs, um, and my, my granddad had given me some from the sixties as well. I, I had hundreds, Rich, and I, I, I let them go for some stupid reason. Must have needed the money at the time uh, on a car boot sale, and a guy literally coming, he took the lot. Yeah, uh, I think the earliest one was like nineteen sixty. Um, but my first game was was Barnsley at home that that season uh, ninety three ninety four, uh, and the one with Tomo on the program. And I can remember it being very cold, very wet. Uh, I think it was a Tuesday night, and it was a very very poor game. And I was I was actually not very well, and my dad had to uh, take me home uh, just after half time. But I don't think we missed much, to be honest, mate. Uh, <laughs> But I literally have memories of being in my house and just having photos of, of wolves, uh, like Wolfie and things like that when I was a kid, and just like running around the house singing wolf songs, so excited to go to the games and stuff like that. Um, and just remember, you know, waking up on a Saturday morning, 7am, like running around the house, just knowing I'm going to the game. Um, and just very magical memories, really, of that. I was going to say, I remember sort of when I was a kid in those sort of first kind of formative years when you go in and it was almost like a ritual thing. You say you, you're so excited yeah. with that build up and like putting on the top and everything. Just yeah. to, did, you go with like, your dad? did you go with your dad? Yeah, I, I was similar. I went with my dad. You know, we had yeah, similar to you. I managed to get rid of a lot of my programs for reasons I can't quite tell you or even justify in my head for, for sort of similar reasons. And we used to get one every week. Yeah. And like it's every yeah. game, yeah. It's so many little things like that, which I think it's so easy to forget, I guess, when you're older. Um, you know, obviously, uh, your pattern changes from when you first start going to games, probably with, you know, a, a parent or a grown-up or whatever. And, you know, you get, you know, whether you get a bag of sweets or whatever, a bottle of pop, a program, yeah. all, all, all of that stuff. And you always forget that that's almost the, the experience at that point, sort of what, what kind of makes it. Because you don't, you know, the amount of times, you don't expect people to remember a game when they're, you know, five, six, seven or whatever. Mm. But you remember sort of how you feel, you know, you can tell me it was a crap night in, you know, in March or whatever yeah. it was. And, you know, my, mine was similar. It was cold. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't think I grew up in like a big footballing household, um, but my dad was a fan. Um, in particular, and sort of when it came, I, my mate was going to be a mascot like the next game, and I'd been invited to that, so he took me to a game beforehand, almost as a trial run, sit, you know, just to make sure I didn't get sort of upset with it being too loud or things like that, and you know, sort of just sort of stemmed from there really. And it's, you know, I think the uh, those little nostalgia things for me in terms of programs, you know, it's it, I, I always find it fascinating. I mean, I've got um, the uh, FA Cup final one sort of on the wall behind me from when um, beat uh, Blackburn Rovers. Um, oh, okay. So I've got it as a Christmas present, but oh, I've, wow. got a few, I've got a few old ones from like the 70s, but I, I must have had literally every program from about 2002 to yeah. about 2010. And yeah, like, yeah. It's so much when you think about it, isn't well, it? It used to amaze me. I'd look at like the ones in the 60s and stuff and you'd see it like 2P, 3P. Yeah. On yeah. the programs, I'm just like, wow, like incredible. And like I say, it's a really big regret of mine, um, letting them go. But you do what you got to do at the time, don't you? And you know, I've still got many things from, from like I say, before I knew I was talking to you, I've been in the loft. Oh my god, I've got bags and bags and bags of wolf stuff, yeah, um, photos, shirts, balls, all sorts, flags from like the 90s, flags, yes, yeah, so capes, but. Like, Really crap capes that you like, like, it's got wolves on the back, like, you know, just like mad. That, you know, I was say, I know I've got, I, I know in, in my loft, I've got everything from the playoff final. Yeah. I've got literally, it is in uh, my dad must have been the one who'd done it because I'd have only been about 10, but it's got an Express and Star bag, it's got the paper in, it's got the program, it's right. got a little, you know, a really shitty flag. Yeah. And you know, it's it, it's just all those things that you go. As soon as I see that Expressing Star logo, I forget about everything else. And yeah. it's going, I know it just brings me back twenty odd, you know, fifteen odd years. I remember, I remember, like my dad used to take us to the goalpost, like yeah, the game. We go in the goalpost, and um, he used to 
we there used to be an Adams family pinball machine in the back room, and mm. it'd be packed full of fans, all boozing. I was like looking up at all the fans, like I was that small. And um, he used to put me on a stool. He used to stand me on a stool so I could play the pinball machine. And I knew that I'd do that before every home game, and then we'd walk up to the ground and, and go in. Um, but I was only a match by match at the time. Like I never had a season ticket from a really early age. Yeah. I was going to say, what point did you start? Um, I was going to say, either going regularly or yeah, know, so having a season ticket then? We were going pretty regularly. So we were doing like, um, I don't know, we'd do like maybe six home games a season, something yeah. like in my younger years. And then I remember the day he came, my mum and dad had separated. My dad come and saw me on my birthday at my mum's. And uh, he went, I've got a present for you. And mate, he, he just put, they used to come in little blue leather wallets. Tear um, them out. Yeah, tear them out. And it was the good, it was a good year one. Um, and I've got the shirt actually from the first season. I pulled that down. Oh. So this season was the first one I had. A, a oh, wonderful! Season. That is a that is probably my favourite top from the millennium. So you're talking like two thousand. Um, yeah. And what he had done, he brought um, the first season was a half. And yeah, it, it was the half season where we signed Dean Sturridge, and yeah. he cut in and he scored an absolute rook load of goals in half a season. Um, but I just remember him putting that leather wallet, and he just went, "Happy birthday, son!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was in my mum's kitchen, and I just looked at it, and I was just like, "That is something I never ever thought I was going to get in my life ever." Um, yeah, I was probably like, "How old am I?" Thirty-three March. So older than eleven, maybe something like that. Twelve. Yeah. So year two thousand. So amazing, amazing. And I say it was a good time to sort of, I guess, start going to the games because obviously it would have been sort of uh, around that time, you know, end of the nineties when we started really pushing in Division yeah. One, going up, and then I, I was going to say I was going to do this, and I can't quite remember. I feel that that was almost like one of the seasons where we just missed out. That might have been the season when. Like we we had that massive drop off and the Albion beat us to Correct. kind of go up. Correct. Um, but then obviously from there, it, it, we then kind of began that climb again. It was weird because interestingly, I think that first season you had a season ticket was my first season I started. I think I went to like two or three seasons that, two or three games that season. And then mm-hmm. it was like, actually, you know what? We'll go to a couple more. And I think the season we got up via the playoffs, it almost became economically viable because we didn't have a season ticket that year but we must have gone to what you have 23 games I think we went to about 12 to 15 games mm-hmm. in that year we went up and I remember and obviously the prices were going up in the Premier League and he went look if we're really enjoying this and you don't know how many seasons you're gonna get we spent mm-hmm. more money going to games yeah yeah this year than we will do even get a season ticket next year and yeah. I just remember him being on the phone waiting, I, I mean, like uh, for a club shop, he must have been on hold for an hour, and yeah. I must have just sat there. I don't think a ten-year-old has ever sat so patiently in their entire like, lives. Like a little dog, just like yeah, just like is it, what are they going to say? And I remember like <laughs> him like walking almost around a corner when he got through to them, yeah. and it's how like, you almost have that. Oh my god, are, they, are we going to get one? Are we not? Are we not? And then yeah. you know that I still remember those like say it, well it was an actual season ticket wasn't it it wasn't like a card yeah, yeah. and i know the, in order that the match numbers were never in order no a bit, so, the day, number 23 <laughs> yeah they'd mix it up each week so you couldn't just kind of go well hang on we've got i can give this to my mate and he can yeah, use yeah. it next time i was like yeah. Yeah. say um for, for yourself you mentioned sort of dean stewart scoring a shed load um who is sort of your favorite players kind of growing up then yeah, I mean, you you obviously my I I caught bully towards his, at the end of his years. Yeah, so like when I really remember going to the games, ninety four, ninety five. You know, bully was coming to the end. Mm. Um, but you can remember, I can remember certain goals. You know, where he comes up to, you know, that I think it was in front of the South Bank, and he stood there and he scored his landmark goal. You know, goals like that. Um, so obviously, bully, and and I still. I still I see him a lot at events and do little things, little gigs for him and stuff. And he's just a great guy and an absolute idol. Um, but then, like, going through in terms of the, the season we went up, 
you have a real appreciation for football as you're growing older and players and you start looking at players in particular and go, God, what a player. Players like Inter Irwin. Yeah. When they signed for us, I knew how, I appreciated how big that was. I wasn't too young to know, you know, mm. I was, I was, I was 13, maybe 12. And I was like, okay, we've signed Paul Ince and Dennis Irwin, knowing he'd played for Man United, his, you know, his whole career, like pretty much, Inter had been about, like, into, you know, Milan, I think he was in, wasn't he? Yeah, in, he played Milan. Man U, Liverpool, Liverpool, Milan, as you say. So, you know, he had a uh, he had a CV on him. Yeah, and you're just like, God, these players. And, and then any Wolves fan will tell you, as soon as they got the ball at their feet, and, you know, Dennis in particular at fullback, you just like, God, these are like creme de la creme footballers. Um, also, probably the earliest appreciation I remember, especially from, from that season, the old gold shirt, mm. Jolie and Lescott. Yeah. I just used to remember watching Lescott in games and just going, no one's going to get past this guy. Like, he is literally a Rolls-Royce defender. And he... I don't know if you remember, like, Willie Bolly made the championship look like a doddle, didn't he? Yeah. Lescott was very, very similar. Yeah. Um, very, very similar in terms of, you know, half pace. He was never blessed with, you know, blistering pace, but he was just absolutely awesome. And you, you can remember just fans sitting there going, oh my God, look at that, what he's just done. Like, incredible. Um, so, yeah, Lescott, another amazing player, I remember, you know. Um, and probably a special one for me, Matt Murray. Yeah. Um, I remember I was in a barbers at Finchfield and Matt Murray was in the reserves at the time um, and he'd started to feature in programmes. And of course, when you're a kid, you study the programmes like a Bible, don't you? I was going to say, oh, when you were a kid, you know every single player. <laughs> reserves, you know, they're inside leg yeah. <laughs> you know, you know everything. So I looked across and I'm like, I'm, I'm a new kid and like, Matt Murray, that is. I was going to say, he's not exactly, um, you know, easy to miss, is he either? Exactly, you know. Seven foot nine, you know, sitting there, massive guy. And uh, I says, Matt Murray, and he went, yeah, Matt, how are you doing? Like, he, was, he must have only been, you know, 18 himself, 19. And he's like, how are you doing, pal? You all right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. And just like, oh, well done with everything at Walls, you're doing like... And he must have really appreciated it, because i tell you what, I left that barber's, I was walking home, it was dark, and he pulled up next to me in his full Ford Cougar he had at the time. <laughs> and uh, at the back of this Ford Cougar... He gives me a brand new pair of his gloves. Yeah. My hands are about this big. <laughs> and these gloves, mate, were like that. And I played in goal for a club and school. I was under 12 at the time. Dane's more casuals I played for in goal. Do you think I wasn't going to wear them gloves, mate? I was going to say, they'd, they'd have been into school the next day for me. Right. <laughs> Those gloves. I was wearing them gloves for about five years. <laughs> um and I never, ever forgot that. And since then, I always used to like, when I was a little kid, I was waiting for him at the games. And he gave me loads of stuff, man. He gave me England kit and everything. Oh, wow. Uh, Fair play. So when I stood there on the terraces watching that game at Sheffield United, uh, game against Sheffield United, the playoff final, he had like the performance of his life. I was just like, wow, like this is great. And so he he was, you know, another me- really memorable player for me. Um I was going to say that that whole kind of group from, you know, the playoff finals was, you know, it was a special, obviously it was a special time, but it was that sort of coming together. And, you know, it's interesting. You've always picked four players there, two almost veterans of the game with these long storied careers, being there, done it, won everything. And then the other end of your spectrum, you've had almost these two homegrown lads who, you know, really epitomised Wolves at the time. And it was like, you know, genuine almost a bit of a, you know, the difference between like yeah. where we needed nice to be. Blend, and, blend. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously you had all, you know, the other players in between, like your Alex Rays, your Kennedys and yeah. Millers, etc. You just mentioned there, Mark Kennedy. I remember like seeing Mark, obviously towards the end of Kennedy's career at Wolves, there was, you know, a few mumblings and stuff like that, but... That's those two seasons he had before we went up and he was at Wolves, mate. He was the first player where I was like, what a talent. Yeah. I was going to say, with Mark Kennedy, uh, I was going to say, we're talking about kind of things getting signed, getting given things. I When I was, 
was after we'd been relegated. It might it would have been in one of his last couple of seasons. I did one of those Wolves Academy like Easter training things. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they used to put on, and my, you know, they'd always have like a couple of players pop down almost on the lunch break. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and like it was like okay, uh, did did like a thing. It's like I didn't know that a player would be coming, and apparently everyone else bloody did because. They said, okay, yeah, he's going to do a few autographs and things like that. And everyone else whips out a bit of paper and everything. I'm like, bloody hell. And then like you had like half a dozen of us at the back. I was like, I'm just going to get him to sign my shirt or literally anything. I got a pair of Lotto football Astro boots signed just on the corner. <laughs> it's like, I don't, again, they are probably still in the loft. I don't yeah. know why these like little things, but you know, that whole team and, you know, especially sort of someone like Matt Murray. I think Matt Murray's obviously still incredibly appreciated to this day, mm-hmm. um, but by Wolfsands and like for Jolian Lescott, you're completely right. Like even when he was like 20, he was a cut above everyone else, um, you know, before the injuries afterwards. And, you know, you can only see from his career after he left Wolves, you know, how well he did at Everton and then winning the league with Man City. And he almost, I don't know, it's because he, after he left or whatever, or just a bit of time went on, you almost get a feeling he's not as adored in a way yeah. to some fans yeah. for me. And like, he'd you think about how... He probably ended on a personal low, didn't he, really? With, yeah. With, with Villa, but you're right, exactly right what you're saying. There was only one way he was going, mate. And that was... Yeah, and I, to be fair, I don't think anyone had any, you know, remorse from going or anything like that because we no. didn't get promoted under Hoddle. Um, either of those seasons, it was like the writing was on the wall, and you got you got to respect him for what he's done. But yeah, you know, there's so many sort of special players around that uh, around that time for, for me. Um, I guess sort of going into those, well, I was going to say the interesting years, kind of pushing on from that. You were being a teenager, getting a bit older. How did you kind of feel? Uh, I see a smile there, but I, I know where this is going because you already mentioned things about the goalpost. But how did you kind of match day ritual sort of change? Did you still kind of go with your dad as you were getting older and things like that? Yeah, so actually, I, I, I turned, what was I, probably, I'd say 20 maybe. So yeah. me and Dad had the season ticket for like 10 years. And then with Dad's work commitments, so my dad was a police officer. Yeah. Um, you'd often see me Dad actually on a match day because <laughs> he'd be the only copper. Like, he, used to, he used to work the uh, the custody block. Okay, so yeah. I was going to say I know where. Only through tours, but yeah. Yeah, 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 right. He used to work the custody block and he used to come out sometimes if there was no you know prisoners or anything and he'd stand like before the temporary stand was there. He'd stand on the corner, like there used to be like a grass grass bank, didn't there? Yeah, yeah. And just stand on the corner, and I'd see him, and I'd go, oh, "Dad, you know, Dad's in." So I actually, actually started get going on my own. I think I had two or three years on my own as a season ticket holder, sitting in the north bank on on row row B, just behind the goal. Um, so I literally went on my own, and I kind of got adopted by a couple of people yeah. sitting either yeah. side. Yeah. But you'd see me dad like them wolf score on the grass bank at the top, like giving it <laughs> over, <laughs> having to try and like, you know. But yeah, his, his, his commitments meant that he couldn't come to the games all the time and it was just too much money to, you know. Um, so he, he fell away from going to the games and I went on my own um, for probably three years. Um, but in terms of match day ritual, back to your question... Um, it was pretty normal, really. Just just going, just going from home, getting the bus into town, and going to the game. Obviously, sitting on my own, um, and then the more into my twenties. So yeah. that's when it, you know, you go into town, don't you, and have and have a few more than just a few, and 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 go to the game from there. But uh, yeah, often frequent like Royal London, you know, Varsity when it was open. I was going to say, was always that sort of trifecta for you of Varsity, Royal and uh, Hogshead for you? Was that yeah, always yeah, your yeah. sort of main spots? Yeah, growing up with the music as well, because I'd been in bands and we played played the uh, the Varsity upstairs. Um, did you ever go in the music venue in the Varsity? I was going to say, I'm old enough. I'm old, I was going to say, I say I'm old enough. That's, that always feel, makes me feel, either you feel old or me feel young. Um, I was old enough to go to Varsity a couple of times, but it closed whilst I was at uni. So I went away. I went away for uni, but I know I'd gone a couple of times, sort of when I was eighteen, nineteen, 
Um, so I sort yeah. of do remember it, yeah. Yeah, upstairs in the varsity, um, the big music venue. So we, we, I say big, it was, you know, 150, 200 capacity. But we, uh, we'd go in the varsity and stuff like that. So I've got, a, I've got a group of mates that I was friends with. Actually, my best friend was like, I've got a few best mates. Three of them are Wolves fan. One's an Albion fan. So Yeah, I was going to say, you'd be amazed how, I've got exactly the same situation. I think every Wolves fan has got three or four close mates one of them always has to be an Albion or a Villa or Blues fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like four of us Wolves and one Albion. So um, it was always, the dynamics were quite funny when we were kids, a lot younger. Even now, we still have the crack. Um, I've got to be careful though now because we're getting closer together in terms of the table. So I've got... Oh, no, I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say, my, my, my Albion friend, um, I, I was going to say, I can say what I like, because I know he won't be listening to this. Um, he, he's very he's very quiet on the group chat, because we're pretty much all walls apart from him. Does, it doesn't usually get involved anyway. Soon as they beat us, I don't think I've seen him post more times on that day than anything else. Yeah. After that, not posted again since. It's like he only comes out for that. Yeah, yeah. But as you, I think as you get older, you you might be the same. Like you just kind of um, you go to any pub where you can actually get a drink. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we use like I use the style a lot. Um, yeah, Marines, absolute cracking boozer. And again, all the lads have played gigs there. Like there's lads in our band that were playing gigs at the style like 15 years ago. So it's somewhere we go, somewhere we use. We eat there, we drink, we drink there. Um, and then you've got the Royal Oak, which we use a lot now on the Compton Road. Yeah, yeah. So us that sit together now, the lads that sit together, um, we go to the Royal Oak for a beer, uh, and we'll go in after as well, and then and then home. But living in Codsall, it's um, sometimes you can go to the pubs in Codsall, and then well, just, just jump on the train straight. I was going to say that's the perfect thing about Codsall. You can have one at the station and literally finish your pint, get on a train. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's great. So um, that that's that's kind of the match day ritual, and how it's changed from standing on a stool in a pinball machine to so, uh, standing. I was saying, the yeah, I was going to say everyone's sort of you know match day routines very much changed in the last twelve months anyway. But I think it's always nice to remember sort of what it was like, and you know, even those little bits for you know you get to the pub for sort of one one half one or whatever, have a quick bite to eat, have a couple of pints. You see the team news come in, you yeah. you, you dissect that, and then you know. You'd almost have this perfect route, you know, almost probably going like round the ring road or whatever to get to the stadium, get to your seat and all of that. And, yeah. you know, I think I was like, those, again, it's those parts where you kind of, you remember in a way. And like, you know, I've only been to a style a couple of times, but I could tell you exactly, you know, which way you need to go to, to get, to get to, uh, to get to Molyneux. Um, anyway, like it's a proper old fashioned walk, like, you know, yeah. out of the pub, you, up the alleyway through all the, you know. That's right. it. You've got to go through houses. You've got to go through alleyways. It almost feels like it's a bit of a back route, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. You, like it's almost a bit mysterious in a way. Like you're almost on like a little bit of an adventure, but yeah. it's not. It's just, yeah. like, it's just, it's just a half mile straight line, isn't it? <laughs> you start seeing like the the looming like North Bank as well, the colossal North Bank, and it you just get like I don't know, man. In my head, it's like just walking to the Coliseum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it spits you out at the alleyway at the end and the Billy Wright, the statue, you know. Like, if if any one of my friends from, like, I don't know, overseas, like I've got some friends in the States and stuff, like, if I ever took them to a match, there is, I have no hesitation, I'd have them in the style. Yeah. Packed pub, but great service, drinks are coming, and then I'd take them on that walk. Yeah. Proper, proper Molyneux walk, that is. Exactly, and I think that that's that's one of the lovely things about where Molyneux where it is because it's in the city or yeah. just sort of on the outskirts. It's in the Ring Road. You kind of have to go through, like yeah. you either have to go through town centre, or you have to go through a residential area to get there. Like if it was out, you know, off the M, uh, off the M fifty four. Mate, when you know, I was it, talking about that, I was like, "Do not make us a Pride Park." Like, no, no, do not make us a Stoke or a Pride Park or anything like that. I was like, that that would kill our experience on a match day, like going out to an M54 site or something. Like, I think they've thought better about that, haven't they, since they, yeah. were, since they were talking about it. Yeah, well, so, I think, I was going to say, it seems like they're sort of quietly trying to buy back the land now um, all around <laughs> Molyneux. So uh, it's, it's only taken, you know, well, 25, 30 years or whatever it's been. But uh, 
I, I guess we'll, we'll sort of do two questions. We'll do a fun one first, which is what's been your happiest moment supporting Wolves? It doesn't have to necessarily, it can either be a game, a, a, a moment, whatever, really. Yeah, it has to be a game for me. And, well, I say the game, it, it was the whole 48 hours, 24 hours leading up to Cardiff. Uh, yeah. As in the playoff final. Um I got I got off a plane at well I got home at about two or three o'clock in the morning from Lanzarote, and my dad was picking me up I think at about quarter to seven, half six, something like that in the morning. So I literally went to bed three hours or four hours, got up, showered, get the Dorito shirt on. Yeah, of course. And then off to the I think there was something like a hundred and thirty coaches. I was going to say, how did you get to a college? Did you take the coach? We got the travel yeah. club, yeah. yeah, coach, yeah. coach 112. <laughs> um, and we were on, I think they all used Asda, Asda car yeah, park, yeah, yeah. as well as the car park outside, from my memory. And then, obviously, as Wolves fans, mate, then we didn't go to big stadiums. Like, no. We didn't go to these Coliseum football stadiums. We, we were going to, you know, Grimsby, Barnsley, you know, places like that. And, just that whole day, mate, the whole day uh, leading up to it, getting off holiday, going going to Cardiff and, and just, it was a lovely day as well. And just seeing that stadium for the first time. So I'd always had a thing about stadiums. Like, and I think you do as a football player. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, going to, going to any like great stadium, like Hillsborough, like places like that. And when I saw Cardiff in the, for the first time, we turned this corner and wow, it, it hits you, doesn't it, when you come off? But it's so it's so yeah. big, and like you can see. Well, I was going to say, if you get the train, it, it's when you get off from Cardiff Central, it slaps in front of you. I, I, well, I haven't got that experience because I, I didn't get the train, but I just remember following the crowd. Oh, here it is. So I yeah. took a, I took a picture with my Kodak wind wind on camera. Oh, wonderful. Turning the the corner and seeing it for the first time and like yes, I was gonna say how many shots of, I must have seen a thousand ones like that because it, it it is like if you kind of got I, I got the coach um, yeah. I've, I've just been Cardiff on train a few times but I, I I still remember you say sort of when you kind of almost came from where the car park was yeah and, sort of just, and you know you get used to Molyneux being you know a pretty good sized stadium but when you yeah. see a an international venue, for want of a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I had the same thing, only it could be, you know, I only went to Wembley for the first time when we lost in the semi-finals, but I had that same thing when you sort of see it from the distance, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's wow, that's big. And you're that's like that's looking that's up going, it's like you probably looking up at Matt Murray and the Barbers, isn't it? You go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then, obviously, then you get in the stadium and you're like walking up the stairs because we were in the gods, we were top tier. Yeah. Uh, the cheap seats. And we we were walking up the stairs and just like my dad my dad's not great with heights. And we walked <laughs> we walked out onto the gantry and we were like, whoa, like this this is steep. Yeah. And I think any fan who was up there that day at the top tier that they'll tell you the same. Like because like I say, we hadn't experienced those stadiums. And we walked out and we we're like, shit, this is high. Like and then obviously just just all that game, the Kennedy goal. Um I've gone on record on other, you know, interviews and podcasts and stuff. That Kennedy goal, that was just like unbelievable celebrations, um, but were incredible. And then just 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 the whole day piling out onto the street after. Um, but yeah, that's me and my dad when we first got out the uh, onto the. Oh wow. Some wonderful frosted tips highlights as well. Uh, uh, should, should be. I was going to say it's it's fine. I was going to say it's uh it, it's definitely era defining, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's just you know that that whole day and that is my greatest Wolves memory. And don't get me wrong, we, we've been spoilt with them over recent years, haven't we? Yeah, uh, of, of things you know you could you could list them off you know hundreds, but that for me at that age, um, yeah. incredible, um, fantastic. No, a thousand percent, and you know that I think. Anyone who was there or even just part of the city, you know, I was speaking to someone recently about it who didn't go, but said just the atmosphere about Wolverhampton, it felt like, you know, you were part of it as a city. 
And yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's always a great thing about Wolves and Wolverhampton for me is that, you know, it's a one club city and, you know, the city kind of lives and dies by how well Wolves do. And, you know, you felt euphoria, you say, the, the few days before it and afterwards as well, you know, town was a carnival um, in, in terms of, you know, the, the celebrations afterwards. Um, I guess the other note then, sort of the second half of it, is that we have been blessed with lots of fantastic moments in you know, Wolves the last, you know, 20 years or so. What have been the lowest ones for yourself? Uh, either, you say, watching, going, or even not watching, to be honest, those missed regrets sometimes? Yeah, the lowest, I think there's probably two. One was just a, a bit of a petty one on a result. Um, oh, no, this is, no, this is perfect, then, Liam. It's petty. This is the one I want to hear, because the other one will be, ah, uh, yeah, we got relegated twice, so let's hear the petty one. Yeah, the, the petty one, and, and I've also dug a picture out as well, from the season we went up, so the first season in the Premier League, um, that's that's me and my dad at Liverpool away. Yeah, before yeah. the game, looking pretty happy, and you know we were we were there at Anfield having a good a good look around, and it was the the Sammy Hippie heartache. So it was the ninety yes. second or ninety third minute because we were crap that season. Let's not beat around the bush. Oh, we we were not. A, we were the. We're basically like how West Brom are this season, aren't we? We're a championship team playing in the Premier League. Well, do you know how we defended the other night against Arsenal for that first 10 minutes? Yeah, it was. That's literally what we did for, for, you know, 38 games. I was going to say, have you ever watched like the high, I'm sure it's on YouTube, you know, it would have been out on VHS, but the uh, the season highlights from that season, because it was, it's a painful view. And when you look at it, it was like we, (laughs) we were, and, you know, it, it, nothing against those players because they got there on merit, but it was like they were playing a different game. It was like they, it was almost like we were playing championship football against Premier League teams, if you know what I mean. Like just that golfing quality, it took us half a season just to get our heads around it. Well, we, we, we lost two massive players as well, didn't we? You know, we lost yeah. Murray and we lost Lescott. And I really think Lescott would have been, actually made a difference because. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dave Jones has gone on record saying Sir Jack gave him, was it five million or something like yeah. that to spend? And like, you know, I'd take my off to Dave Jones, he did a cracking job, but we worked to what we got. But Sammy Hippier, we 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 fought like dogs that game to keep it nil-nil and we really shunted Liverpool. And then a corner, Sammy Hippier, boom. Coming on the coaches out of Liverpool, you'd think they'd just beat us like eight nil, like all the scousers are in their tracksuits on the front gardens, like <laughs> giving you the fingers like to the coaches and that like I remember it. But um that was a heartache. And then obviously the worst one was the just just witnessing that absolute capitulation of the of the double relegation, particularly the the, the end of the, the, the championship season. Just like we just cannot play. Like yeah. there's something toxic wrong, you know, toxically wrong with this club. Um so you don't have to say any more about that time, though, do you? Like... No, exactly. It's almost covered. I mean, I've said before, I, I've, I was really fortunate that the three years I went off to university were our last season in the Premier League when we got relegated under Terry Connor. The yeah. season we got relegated from the Championship and the season in League One were the three seasons I wasn't in Wolverhampton for. Yeah. And I remember the year we were in the Championship that me and my um, housemate, Sam, is a big Wolves fan as well. We are watching... We were the only two watching this game. Watching, I think it was, it might have been like Saunders' first game or something like that. We were the only two Wolves fans in the pub watching it. And I remember us going, we, "We're trying it. We're not doing very well, but we're 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 doing we're, we're in this. We're like we're not we're not very good, are we? Yeah. And like we we scored in like the last minute. It might have been a Dave Edwards equaliser, and just going mental for it. And only like afterwards going, this isn't going to work well, is it? <laughs> No, you just hit the nail on the head because when Saunders come in, like you say, he, he did actually inject some energy. And the players, yeah. for that one or two games after, they had some energy and they, they had a bit of like, right, OK, let's fight. But unfortunately, Saunders yeah. might have been able to like jeer him up, but he didn't have any idea about it. I was going to say, it was after that, you know, <laughs> the uh, momentary bounce. It then quickly went back down again. Um, yeah. I, I guess sort of, you know, so if we've moved, move sort of on a bit now sort of almost present day and you know knowing I guess sort of what you do sort of professionally um, in terms of sort of being a musician when we're not in a pandemic but also was it last year you set up or sort of Wolfpack Howlers was formed then? 
Yeah, it was. Um, just so in a nutshell, as you know, I worked for an engineering training company and we did quite a lot of work together. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, you can you can give them a plug if you want to. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I do technically work for a competitor, but it's income training for anyone who's interested. Yeah, so obviously that's all I know. You reached in some, you know, events and stuff. So I worked for them and I took a big step, actually. Like my, my weddings and my, my events were, were coming on really well. And I got to a point, unfortunately, where I just had to part ways with income. And I, I took the opportunity to become, you know, a full-time musician, which, which I'd, what I'd really worked towards um, with, with Liam Price Music. And I left income and it was the best, the best decision I'd made in terms of going full-time, doing something I loved. And then early that early the next year, so early last year, it was, you lose track of dates now, it's all right. I was going to say, it, it's... early last year, Walls asked um, the band, my band, as in mm. Liam Price Music Wedding Band, to go and play before the fans, just doing, uh, before the game for the fans, just doing some covers and, you know, just some live music. And we sat down and we just said, like, surely we've just got to work some Wolf songs into this set. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to just play, you know, Wonderwall and don't look back in anger, like, you know, let's try, let's try and get some, let's try and get some uh, Wolf tunes going. And we literally, we sat down because we weren't with the other two lads at the time. There was three of us, me, Steve and Ed. Steve plays keyboard and Ed plays guitar. And we're coming up with a set list. And we just said, let's try a little Wolves medley. And um, we did it. It was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool, man. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And then we sent it on a video to the lads so they could learn and play along on the day. And then we uploaded it on Twitter. And then it just went absolutely mental. I think it had about, I think it had about something like 80,000 views. In the end, that video did. Um, and like loads of shares. And it was going like pretty viral, really. And we were just like, are we missing something here? Like, we're all Wolves fans. We all play music. We're all from the city. Why don't we just do a Wolves band? And then Ed was like, yeah, we should call it the Wolfpack Owlers. And I, and then just like, okay, let's do that then. Um, and, we, and it was born, really. So uh, it's it's just a shame it hasn't had the momentum that it could have had. We've... yeah. We've, you know, we've been booked to play, like... Have you ever been to the End of Season Awards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were booked to play that last year. Uh, OK. So, like, you know, playing Jimenez onto stage with his tune and stuff like that. And and unfortunately, it's just put a stop to everything. I think we, we could have probably gone to Europe as well um, mm. and played... That, that was my vision, playing in, like, one of these European squares while the fans were having beers and... But obviously, nothing could happen in the end. The the, um, the launch of the third kit, we were meant to play in the mega store for that. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, and yeah, just none of it's been able to happen. Uh, but it did. It has given us a chance to do the album we recorded during the pandemic, um, and the album's gone really well. So, oh yeah, no, it's uh, I was going to say it's great tune. So we we're chatting sort of before this. How you know? I think for any sort of content. Uh, creators out there whether it's podcast youtube music whatever you know it, it's great to kind of see people kind of following almost your passions about walls and you know however that kind of takes its form in a way and you know you say you it, it's come about for, for a couple of different reasons for yourselves you know it's, it's great to sort of see that you're having, a, you're having a bit of fun with it i think yeah yeah definitely like, like i said we're all, we're all professional musicians so there's, there's no reason we shouldn't have done it really, but it's been great. It's been good fun. Um, it's been it's been great, great fun. Just to do different stuff as well. Like if we've played, don't look back in anger. Once we've played it like fifty million times at a gig. Yeah. So like it's just good to do something different. And like I say, it's it become like a bit of a Chaz and Dave feel like some of the tunes. But like it's all good, man. It's it's, it's good fun. It's all good. You know. I was gonna say that that that's how I sort of see it. And you know. It, it's it's not like you're trying uh, you know win a go a Grammy or anything with it, is it? And you know it's a bit of fun, isn't it? You know you you've you know I feel like you've really kind of captured something with it personally in terms of you know the the style of it. In fact, that you know, say that it might not be to everyone's taste, but you know it's 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 not necessarily about that in a way. As you say, uh-huh. so, you know it's you've got very different musical taste to try and play uh, the song about Jamatino. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, mate, we didn't write the song, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just we just play them. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, you mentioned sort of about playing um, on modern. You sort of for the game or at half time. Now, music at Molyneux is always a fiercely debated issue, I've I, I found, in terms of the style of it. And, I mean, I, I, I've i sat on a couple of fan experience things for the club and music always comes up. So, from your point of view, what, you know, what would be your ideal playlist? I guess sort of a couple of songs before they come out. You've got a song which they come out to. So, at the moment, it's Hi-Oh, Silver Lining or whatever. You know, what, what would your sort of perfect... Uh, perfect i guess sort of couple of songs be to get well, uh, get players and fans going i'll start on one of the most debated songs actually and that's the liquidator yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm kind of over it mate like well it's been 20 nearly 20 years hasn't it like, we had it we had it when we were kids and I, I listened to it growing up and you know the howlers we play it and it goes down well yeah um, but like as far as i'm concerned now it's done by the albion it's done by chelsea like i'm not fussed I'm not fussed about it. Hi-Ho Silver Lining is incredible. It's a shame the Villa have had to copy us. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I looked at a video and I just saw the Villa have basically just started doing what Wolves doing, all the flames going up and Hi-Ho yeah. Silver Lining. And I'm like, what's going on here? Have I missed something? Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, really. Could I pick out a few songs to play? I don't know. Hi-Ho Silver Lining is great. Um I remember Blur song two when we used to score. I was going to say that that's that's a football <laughs> classic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, mate, I don't know, man. You've put me under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I suppose I suppose football's very much associated with a lot of indie hits, really. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got a lot of Oasis fans out there. But for me, that don't work at Wolves either because it's it's man life. Yeah. Man City yeah. and it's and it's like yeah it's a bit it's done. Man, I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to think about that, Hobbsy. No. I'll, I'll, I'll let you think on that and I'll uh, no doubt get a Spotify playlist from you in the next sort of few days. Of, yeah, put it, a Spotify playlist together. I was going to say, just to get everyone sort of hyped up before we go. I think that's, I think that's a good idea, to be honest. Okay, um, I will say, though, mate, recent observations. You know, like stuff like Tears for Fears after we've won? Yeah. Mate, superb. What a great tune that is. See, I, I, I'm under the impression I might be completely wrong on this, but a lot of the music, I think, was sort of sort of handpicked by Laurie Dalrymple when he was managing director. Okay. I've, I feel like I've completely made that fact up now. Yeah. Um, now I've said that out loud. I've got a feeling he was a big fan or something. But it works perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, like, stuff like that is wicked. Like, it just gets everyone going. And then I'm not a big fan of, like, the, the trance music just before no, we... No, that like, doesn't really do it for me. I'm not really a club sort of guy, really. A club music guy. I'm more about, like, proper live live music and you know live instruments like i've never really been a dj sort of guy um but stuff like tears and fears like great tunes like bringing them out after the games wicked um status quo cardiff man like it always yeah. takes you back to cardiff like yes. rocking all over the world like that song i probably wouldn't like the song usually it's just that i remember it from cardiff and just like because everyone's singing it man like it, it was it was wicked See, I have the same thing with um, Elvis Presley, Wonder of You. Wonder of You, great that tune. always put, like, whenever I hear it play, whether it's Molly or whatever, it always makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck because it just makes me think of just walls getting promoted. Well, that's going in my playlist, mate. Yes. Wonder of You, Elvis Presley, because we don't play it anymore. No. We just play that. We, we play Tears of Fears usually instead, yeah. Yeah, and that IB for tune. We can sack the the IB for tune can go into room 101 and we'll get uh, Wonder of You back, mate. Perfect. That, that, that sounds like my cup of tea. Um, I guess to sort of finish up, really, I, I mean, sort of, how has kind of being a Wolves fan impacted your life and what does it sort of mean to be part of the pack? Yeah, I think I think with with anything, mate. Like if you play sport, if you do music, if you're into you, you, you know podcast or or whatever you're into, I think wolves. You still see the same people now, and you chat to the same people that you did years and years ago. And and you know, let's be honest, we're not a Man United, we're not a Liverpool. We've still got that very much family feel. Yeah. Like I feel like a lot of our like Twitter fan base, for instance. 
we all know each other. Like we, oh yeah, yeah. We could we could go to our games and go, oh yeah, I know them off Twitter or I know them from such and such or Facebook. Where you know maybe when Man United posts, there's probably a million different people who post on there, mm. and and that's always been my worry, Rich. To be honest, like when you like, I'd love us to become like a, a world leading massive club, but I do fear that will we lose that identity as a club? Like I don't know, but being part of being part of Wolves is very special. And I think we've always been in a slight underdog. Mm. Um, you know, we've, yes, we've been promoted from the championship, but when we really come up against the big sides in big games, we've usually been the underdog. And I like that. I really like having something to play for. Um, we've either been fighting for promotion or battling relegation until recently when we've become an established Premier League team. So being a Wolves fan is very, very special. Um, and I do feel it's a massive family club and everyone kind of looks out for each other, although you wouldn't believe it looking on Twitter at the moment. But <laughs> I think there's just a lot of frustrated people who can't chat about the game after a, after a, you know, a pint in the pub. Um, so people... Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I was going to say my, my very much on social media, especially with arguments on there, it gets resolved, A, if you actually know them. Yeah. B, if you say it in person, because it is so hard to get a message across in 240 characters. And yeah, yeah. you know, you're never going to win an argument on social media, are you? No, no matter if, you know, whether you think Nuno in, Nuno out or whatever, you're yeah. not going to change somebody's mind. But if you have a conversation about it, especially over a beer, it makes things a, a damn sight easier, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't say things to people that you would on. <laughs> no, you know, I was, was going to say, I think uh, you, you with the Howlers and me with the fan cast, I think we've probably had a few tweets where we've gone, not sure if you'd say that to me in person. I've been, I've been everything this year, mate. I've, yeah. been, I've been a paedophile. I've been, I've been everything. I've been called <laughs> everything under the sun, but yeah, it's one of them. Um, but yeah, being, being a Wolves fan, very, very special. Many, many memories. Uh, and, it's very special at the moment, isn't it? You know, like, well, I say at the moment, in the last 12, 12 months, particularly with the European journey and everything, it's just, it's something I didn't think I'd see. No, uh, no. In my time as a Wolves fan, but hey-ho, we'll never, we'll never, uh, we'll never lose those memories now, will we? No, exactly. And, uh, you know, for, for me, it, it's all about those memories, whether, you know, you're playing in Europe, the playoff finals or whatever. It's still, you know, those are the ones you hang on to, isn't it? And uh, yeah. I, I guess sort of last one is sort of, you know, very, very much present day for ourselves in terms of uh, Wolves. How are you sort of finding um, finding them at the moment in terms of, you know, been a bit inconsistent, but after the win against Arsenal, you know, I, What's your what's your outlook as a Wolves fan at the moment? Well, I think the biggest talking point at the minute is Nuno, isn't it? And I think yeah. for me, I'll, I'll always back him. Like I, I will come out and back him, back him to the end. Um, I think he's, he's he deserves that, and I, and I think I really do think Wolves will be okay um, this yeah. season. I think we'll, we'll get to the end of this season, go and have a lovely holiday, spend some time with your family on the beach or whatever, and come back and we go again next year. Um, so you know, I'm still optimistic, and I think we have these this squad of players bubbling underneath from the youth, mm. and maybe the ones that aren't getting the game time. Uh, and I really do see, like, in two or three years, these players are just going to pop, like, come into fruition, and we're going to be a very, very good team. Um, but yeah, we do have to address the here and now. Uh, Johnny coming back is going to be absolutely huge. Mm. Because we're just conceding too much from 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 wide areas, crosses coming in, balls being threaded in. That he's like a cheap he's like a he's like a cheap suit, Johnny. He's all over you, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. He's he's a rat. He's a rash. Like he's horrible, and and that's what we need. Um, he does he doesn't give a player two seconds to think before they know it. He's on him, and and that's what we've missed. I was going to say that that left side it. Part of it's through hindsight, but since he's been injured, we just consistently not look good there. And, you know, I think you've you've touched on something really interesting for me. I'm probably going to waste either a really good segment for a podcast or a future blog, but I, I, I kind of had a similar thought to you earlier. And it's not about, you know, regarding Nuno, he keeps saying the solutions are from within and things like that. 
And it did make me think that quite a lot of these players have got a very high ceiling on them that we're not quite there. So Pedro Neto, he's had a fantastic season, but his ceiling isn't where he's at at the moment. He can keep pushing on. And you could say that about a good half a dozen of them. And, you know, there's a couple who might be playing pretty much more towards their potential who have hit it or, you know, regressed even slightly. But, you know, there's obviously a lot of potential in this squad. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with, with a couple of players back, they can, you know, fit fingers crossed anyway, push back on for the second half of the season. I don't think there's any threat of us getting relegated. I was having a look at the league table earlier and thought, you know what, it, I think we're 13th or 14th at the moment. And, I kind of reconciled myself and thought, you know what, if we end up in 13th, 14th this season, then, you know, it's similar to you, just write it off, have your break, look at it again at the summer, whether it's management, players, system, all of it, just get get through to the end of the season, not completely embarrass ourselves and, you know, really push on. Because a lot of clubs, you know, will seem to have taken a step back in terms of how aggressive they were being recruitment wise let's say in terms of the players coming in whereas other clubs like Villa mm. pains me to say it have not and they've really invested in things like that and you know we seem to have I don't think we've been a lot lot worse than last season but I think quite a few teams have gotten better so a bit of mix us not being quite on our game and other teams being above what they were last season's kind of had that that swing but I don't see uh, similar to you I think we've got a good. We have got a good manager. We've got a good, good set of players. They just need to. They just need to find their feet. And jo- Johnny's so important for us, anyway. For me, it's it's a crazy year, Rich, and I'm sure if if we all look at ourselves, have any of us performed to the the probably capacity that we 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 can? And probably the answer is no, um, mm. because of this just strange situation. I know if I was in a foreign country and and this would be happening, I'd just be thinking, God, just get me home. Yeah, uh, and I think there has been a case of that, and I think if the players are going to be really honest with themselves, they'll tell you that. Mm. Uh, t- touching on Neto, you, he said something which was quite funny about twelve months ago. He was in an interview and he said, "I want to be the best in the world." And like <laughs> you sat there and you went, "All right, mate, yeah, yeah, sound okay." And then like he's just he's just going, and you know, you've got Man City talking about him now. I see a lot of yeah. people saying, oh, we need to get this Neto in. And- I was going to say, I'm, get, I'm getting really annoyed for the last few games on um, TV that we've played and they keep hyping him up. They did it against Chelsea. They did it against Arsenal. And they weren't doing it six months ago, like in Project yeah. Restart, because he, he was hitting form then. And he's been in, he's consistently done well this season. He's been our probably only real, really consistently player, good player. Yeah. And but he hasn't got a lot of credit in the press, I, I don't think anyway. Um, <laughs> which and yeah, up until last this week, and you know, Glenn Hardle's talking about it, Keon, and I was like, just stop talking about him. Like we need, like keep keep him focusing on Tama Traore. Let us keep Neto for a bit. Mind you, mate, I think Keon called about four different players Neto the other night. Yeah, it does sound about right. So he could have been talking about Neves, but um, yeah, I was. Gonna- uh, you, you mentioned sort of about people being for uh, you know being away from their families, and you know it, it is tough, and you know most families deal with it. But you know, I, I didn't quite appreciate. You know, you got someone like Neves, who's you know whole family are back in Portugal, and his wife's just giving birth to their third child, and then you know he uh, amazingly still deli- d- does what he does on, on a day to day basis, and put in a great performance against against the Arsenal as well. So uh, hopefully, if you know, players can sort of take away from his attitude going forward. We uh, we should be okay. I was chuffed for him the other night and Martini, I made the pair of them because I've, I've, you know, I've not slated them, but I've kind of, I've blamed the style of play really. Like I've, I've been saying, I've never seen such a passive centre midfield. Yeah. Uh, I kind of refer to his horseshoe. Like mm. we kind of play like a horseshoe. Yeah. He'll go to that wing, then he'll go back across the back, and then he'll go to that wing, and then everything in the middle just gets left out. And I think we've started to see that a little bit now that those players are coming in, getting on the ball, and then William Jose is going to make a massive difference. Because for me, from what I've seen, I think he's quality. Yeah. Like absolute quality. You talk about players settling into a new country and that, and I think he's just gets the ball down, knocks it off, likes a flick, you know. he's. I think he's got it all. And he was very unlucky against Palace. Terrible result, but the keepers pulled off two really good saves there. Yeah. 
I was say, fingers crossed you can uh, find us uh, scoring a bit soon. Uh, but uh, we'll wrap up today's interview. Thank you very much for joining us, Liam. And make sure you check out um, Liam over on Twitter and also over Wolfpack Howlers as well. I can make a little exclusive announcement. Uh, of course. Thursday, so a week today. Well, I don't know when this is going to be aired. So on the, We'll say it's not going to be on the 11th. The, uh, the exclusive is going to happen. Yeah, so Thursday, um, we're going to be doing a, a live stream gig. Oh, fantastic. Um, and that's going to be raising money for the foundation. So fans will be able to tune in on our Facebook uh, next Thursday. And well, we'll a live gig for an hour playing the songs. Well, we'll be sure to uh, sort of put some um, things about that on our social as well. And this will, fingers crossed anyway, be going out um, after the game against Leicester anyway. So if you are listening to this, you'll be able to hear about it then. But we also see it on our social media as well. Cheers, Rich. All the best. Big thanks once again for Liam Price for joining us on Stories from the Pack. Uh, as he mentioned in the interview, make sure you check out their live uh, concert that they're having on the 11th of February. It's over on the Wolfpack Howlers Facebook page. We'll make sure to include a link on our socials. Uh, make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search Wolves Fancast, you'll no doubt find us. Uh, as always, big thanks to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Um, Make sure if you've got any marketing needs or website needs to go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com. Um, finally, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We're putting out some great content from our post match reactions to Gully's uh, tactical analysis videos after the games. Um, so make sure you like, share, and subscribe on there. Uh, we'll be joining you after the next game, and fingers crossed it's a Wolves victory. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.